dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining us, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. I tell you, it's so long. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself. You can also follow him at jamartisby.substack.com. Dr. Jamar Tisby, what's going on, brother? What's good with you, man? Man, I'm good, man. I'm listening to you. Give the thoughts. Share the stuff. Listen, it is great to be seen by our audience. So I just want to shout out all the people that are tuning in and watching on YouTube. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you will, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We got tons of new content coming for you. If you hit the notification bell as well, you get alerted every time there's a new Pastor Mike episode. We also have a Patreon as well. Ooh, do we have a Patreon? Yes, patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. So please, please, if even just for a dollar... Just for a dollar, Just y'all. for a dollar. A dollar. A dollar. An episode. An episode. That's it. That's a couple... Less than a couple... That's less than my coffee order in the morning. What you be getting? Uh, uh, an Americano with hazelnut. So it's the hazelnut that takes it over. But if you go ahead... <laughs> If you go ahead and do a dollar an episode, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps us keep the lights on here and the lights from the studio on as well. That's right. That's Jamar, right. Jamar, what are we talking about today, man? Man, I was thinking back to my origin story mm. of becoming a Christian. Um, You're a Christian? Yeah, yeah. So the rumor has it. Um, written in the book. So I have like this classic evangelical conversion story right down to saying the sinner's prayer. Hmm. And I remember in my high school youth group, like the emphasis was always evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Go tell people about Jesus, make friends, um, you know, be a witness, and then, you know, spring Jesus on them kind of a thing, right? Like, but the, the, the emphasis was always, you know, eternity's at stake. You need to constantly be thinking about how to tell people and explicitly verbally tell people about Jesus with the goal of them converting to Christianity Mm. from whatever, right? So, but now, got some decades under my belt, in some different circles, doing adult things. I'm wondering, I'm not hearing as much about evangelism. Mm. Now, some of it may just be the sources and the websites that I visit have changed or whatever, but I'm wondering, is there still an emphasis on evangelism, should there be? Has it become so corrupt or stigmatized that we don't need to do it or rethink it? And basically, I'm wondering one basic, simple question. Is evangelism still a thing? Wow. <laughs> so it's funny. My my conversion story was akin to that. I heard my father preach, and he preached back then, you know, super fire, brimstone, like mm. very passionately. And there was like a, you know— Hell is hot and eternity is a long time. That's what his grandmother used to tell him. So, mm. you know, he said, that's what my grandmother used to tell me. And and he said, I had this nightmare dream and, you know, realized that I was going the wrong way. So it's very interesting because it was always tied in with something else. But it was like, that was typically the catalyst, you know. And he was describing like 
how hot he felt like hell was and everything. So I was like, listen, I told him, I was like, listen, if I'm going to the hot place, Pensacola's hot. If you say it's hotter than this, <laughs> it's not for me. You know, that was like my my whole thing. I was like, man, the you know, I'm going was to the enough. hot place. Yes. But like then I started to like he he didn't really emphasize that with me personally, he emphasized more of my relationship with God and, you know, how does God feel when you do something that's wrong, right? Like what are you doing to God? But also what are you doing to your own soul? All these things that made sense to me, right? And I understood, and I still understand. But I think for a lot of people, the tactics that we tactics that we use back in the day mm-hmm. are different than the tactics that we use now. Mm-hmm. And so we're believers in Jesus and preach, teach, operate in authority, oftentimes in a local church. And so as as we navigate this, I found that a lot of people feel a little uncomfortable talking yes. about evangelism. Yes, feels a little. Uh, icky even using that word or even using that word because that word feels out of out of touch with where people are that's a good way to put it it's a good way to put it because I think part of what drives this question for me is thinking about the context and the connotation of evangelism so especially in the United States that's like characterized by Billy Graham style crusades and making a decision for Jesus and then it gets sort of systematized and programmed in things like the four spiritual laws, evangelism explosion. There's also the seeker sensitive movement of the church, which is the movement where I became a Christian, where the the, the emphasis is always outward facing exactly. and how do you bring people in? The most amount of people. The most amount of people, usually from the very same demographic. And so it has this almost like door-to-door salesman sleazy you know, kind of formulaic, I think is a word a lot of people would use to describe it. And when I say is evangelism still a thing, I think a lot of people have caught on to that and and have a negative uh, association with the more formulaic programmatic forms of evangelism that a lot of us grew up with or learned about. And so now I'm wondering, well, is there an, is there a thing after the thing? Is there mm. is there a post evangelism, uh, if you will? I don't know. So, so when you talk about that door to door salesman thing, you talk about that type of vibe. What are some examples of what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's it's somewhat relational utilitarianism where you make mm. friends with people or you engage with people with this ulterior motive of trying to make them Christian. So the concern is not as genuine, as authentic, as straightforward about them as people. It's more about how can I get you saved without really, would I value you in this relationship, whether you became a Christian or not, or are you another notch on my belt kind of a thing? Um, Hmm. I think there's also a reductive element to it where the whole point and goal of being a Christian is that you go out and get other people to be Christian. And it also becomes almost a competition kind of a thing. How many people have you led to Christ? Right. We talked a lot about that when I was growing up, leading people or, to Christ. Or the shame of oh. people People used to always say, man, some of you are in here, you've never led anybody yes, to Christ. Yes, yes, What's wrong with yes, y'all? Like, yes. you've never led anybody to Christ? Got a lot like, of Like, how that. is this that you, you've never led anybody going to church this whole time? You never let one of your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your barista, your <laughs> bro. Do you even do Jesus? <laughs> you know? 
So I think I think you're touching on part of the thing as a pastor that I wrestle with and struggle with when people make evangelism a contest. Mm-hmm. We make it a contest of the proof of superior faith is you have a line of people behind you that can say, "Oh, that person led me to the Lord." Right, right. You know, right, and that right. person, you know, got me saved. That person prayed that prayer with me. That person, and I think I struggle with that because. None of if we truly believe biblically in what evangelism is, which is a sharing for the work of the spirit to do the work, none of that is about our skill. Mm, say that. It's really not about our skill, right? Like evangelism, there's ways in which to do it well, but it's not a matter. People don't get saved because we're skillful mm, in our tactics. I like that. Wow. Like people get saved because, and people follow Jesus because the spirit doesn't work on the inside of them. And is there a place or how would you explain, is there a gift for evangelism, a gifting for it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I think Paul makes it pretty clear in Ephesians so that, you know, one of the things we believe in is a fivefold ministry, right? And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, mm-hmm. right? So I come from a tribe that believes in fivefold ministry and in the fivefold, not just ministries, but also offices as well, which mm. is that people have specific gifts, right? I just think sometimes we we limit, we have imagination for almost every one of those. Like, so number one, people wouldn't even consider, a lot of people don't even consider apostles legitimate, right? They're like, oh, you know, I come from a tradition where they're very legitimate, but people are like, oh, you have to have been in succession and seen Jesus eyewitness and all this. And so that's what they would consider like an apostle. So I don't even think that's like a thing. But so even if that's the case, the function of the apostolic in terms of building and being an ambassador and all that for the kingdom and overseeing other pastors and works is obviously clearly at work, even right. if you don't call it that, right? The 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 prophetic, right? People are like, oh well, you know, we're just, we're not foretelling, we're foretelling. Well, okay, well, even if you're foretelling, you're still you know operating in what you would say prophecy is, yep. you mm-hmm. know. Well, um, we're we're teaching the Bible that that could take a myriad of different ways. You're pastoring that could take a myriad of different styles. But for evangelism, I feel like. There's only one model people acknowledge. That's a good point. And so when I hear evangelists, what I hear is, oh, you know what? Somebody who feels really comfortable being themselves and representing their faith in spaces where their faith isn't welcome. Wow. So when I hear evangelists, the gift of evangelism, I hear like Tabitha Brown. Oh, that's good. Like seriously. That's good. I heard Tabitha Brown. Like that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, oh, she's got the gift of evangelism because she can operate as herself Fully Christian. Fully Christian in spaces where people don't acknowledge that at all and not feel threatened, but also not back down from who she is. And she can just be her. It's like, that's just what. So I think we almost have to to decolonize even even evangelism to the place of like making sure that we're not thinking about it through this lens of Billy Graham is the only model we have. And it's like, whoa, that's not true. There's a number of different ways you can do this. And also, we're called in to represent Jesus in a myriad of different ways. Oh, I like that, bro. That That's deep. That is a more expansive, inclusive way of thinking about evangelism than I think I've ever heard. That 
It's liberating, actually. It, it sounds like you're saying it's being salt and light. That's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Or being a witness. <laughs> I think it should be said that especially with the history within the history of evangelism, many people have used evangelism and colonialism interchangeably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so evangelizing means colonizing. So here's an example of what I mean by this, right? So we know the history, and you could tell us, you know, so much about this history of the American missions movements, mm-hmm. right? So they would mm-hmm. go into different continents and countries and seeking to Christianize the natives in wherever they would go, right? Seeking to Christianize indigenous people in their own environment, which meant not just giving them Jesus, but giving them the way in which they worship Jesus. Now, we see that, and then we see the the, the radical stripping of their culture, them, uh, you know, civilizing and making them more like them in clothes and dress and style and emotional expression, all the above. So we see that today. Here's an example of what I think this looks like now. When you see people lead other people to Christ and lead them to pray prayers, and then they take selfies with them and post them. Wow. Wow. Which is to say immediately from that point, all you have invested in is their likeness and maybe their name, if they give it, as a way to prove your personal power and as a way to prove your personal worth and your personal fidelity to faith, because it doesn't serve them at all. Wow. Because you're not invested in them. Mm. You're invested in the clicks. You're invested in the likes and the loves and the shares. You're invested in the hand clapping emojis. You're invested in those comments where people say revival is here because you, you got somebody, you led someone in a prayer randomly. What does that, what did that do for you that you felt you needed to share it? It's the competition of it all. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, being justified. By your evangelism, Ooh, yeah, and not by your faith, right? I I think it also should be said, sort of on the flip side of, or at least a, a, another expression of what evangelism is not. Evangelism is not just inviting people to church on Sunday. Okay, pause. We need to talk more about this after the break because that's good. We'll be right back here on Pastor Mike. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode, just a dollar? now that's the bare minimum, that's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. 
Hey folks, Dr. Jamar Tisby here, and I want to make sure that you know about the Justice Takes Sides brand. This is merchandise. This is apparel to help you represent your values. This is about getting people off the sidelines and into the struggle for justice that's ongoing today. Go visit justicetakesides.com, get your merchandise and apparel there, and follow us on Instagram at Justice Takes Sides. So, Jamar, make that statement again, because I think that statement is profound. I was saying that evangelism is more than inviting people to church on Sunday. So I say that because I remember my mom was one of the most faithful, devoted Christians I ever knew. She's a wonderful story of somebody who probably, who always believed in God, but she didn't talk much about it. But then right about the time when I was in college and getting really serious about my faith, she started going back to church. And she became very involved in church and very excited about church. And the way she demonstrated her devotion to God and her faith was constantly inviting people to come to church on Sunday. And I think there is a strain of Christianity, particularly in the black church, where telling people about Jesus functionally means you invite them to your church. Now, I keep saying church and church on Sunday, and what I'm talking about is the event that takes place for a couple hours once a week. So I yeah. still think evangelism is inviting people into the church, Right, the people of God, but it doesn't always start with or look like inviting people to corporate worship on Sunday initially. It, it should lead to that because we need one another, but I think there is also a danger in equating evangelism with just, well, I invite people to church all the time, you know? Yes, I completely agree. I think also on the flip side, this is an opportunity. I will always take an opportunity to hail and laud the beauty of the black faith space <laughs> and also the power, dare I say, magic of the black faith space. Because the black faith space, I understand what you're saying. Yes, 1,000% inviting people to church is not enough in and of itself. Right, because what I'm saying is it's it's inviting people into relationship exactly with Jesus and with other people who Absolutely. are following Jesus. Right, by that I mean church. Go Absolutely. Ahead. I just think there's there is something really unique about the black church space. And I think there's something unique about it done well mm -hmm. that I think makes people feel like if you can feel and experience yes. what we experience, sure. there's just this level of, you need to experience yeah. this. I can't tell you. you and I can't, come, I got to show you, you know, come yeah. and see, you know, mm -hmm. I think there is that level of come and see that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is elemental. But I, I would say, yes, absolutely. That's not, and I don't even think evangelism really centers around necessarily church as an event it shouldn't right and i don't think we see that biblically i actually see you know jesus telling us to go into the world you know yeah. like to go where people are rather than inviting like them where that. you are you that know? was always my thing i i went to and studied reformed theology and and i immersed myself in it because i thought whether it was reformed theology or some other tradition i thought by getting immersed in the thoughts and beliefs of of Christian traditions, that I could then take that out yeah, to different yeah. spaces. And it confounded me to no end 
to see so many of my peers take all of that knowledge, all of that information, all of that education and go inward in terms of creating their own enclaves and 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 making it an us versus them world and culture and, and all of that and don't get sullied or tainted by all of these other people. And I'm like, why did y'all, why did we spend all this time and energy learning this information just to make it an us versus them dynamic and not want to go out. So I, I often get criticized by folks on the far right for being among so-called liberals or leftists or in these secular spaces. And I'm like, where else are we supposed to be? Which is, I think now you've hit on the heart of why, you know, I think you've hit on the heart of why we feel like evangelism in its current construction is so out of touch because the essence of evangelism is go into the world. That's good. Implying that the world is bigger than where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now what we have termed as evangelism and what we're functionally doing as evangelism is making the world smaller Mm. and making us stand on right real estate and everyone else telling them, come stand where I stand rather than I'll serve you where you are. And I think that's why it feels like evangelism isn't connecting with people, not because it isn't something Jesus or um, the the scriptures tell us to do, but more so because it's been done in such an unhealthy way that makes the world smaller rather than bigger, which is, hey, I want to tell everybody I know that I've been transformed, but before I even tell them, I want them to see a transformed life first. And then if they ask questions, there's just that tremendous opportunity to share it with them. I remember the first person that I ever led to Jesus. I was 15, and our youth group was in a nursing home. Hmm. And we used to sometimes go into nursing homes. So when I got called into ministry, this was probably right after as well. Um, No, I was 16. I was 16 years old because I just received my call to ministry. And I just had felt in in and in my heart that like it was like fire shut up in my bones, you know. And so, frankly, man, at that point, I was willing to talk to anybody about Jesus. Anybody. Like I would, man, if you wanted me to do kids ministry, you know, senior citizens, anything like nursing homes, I'd do anything. And so... I remember we were in this nursing home and it was storming so hard outside mm. that the lights were flickering. The mm. lights were coming in and out. You know, it's it was the Holy it was Spirit storming that hard. And um, they asked me to get up and say something. And so our youth pastors at the time said, Hey, we got a couple of people going to share testimonies and share just a little verse. I don't remember what I shared, maybe like a little verse of scripture and just kind of how I felt like the Lord was, was ministering to me through that. And, um, I was standing off to the side and one of the men who was in the uh, nursing home, uh, who was in a wheelchair, he grabbed my arm hmm. and he grabbed my arm and he's, his lips were quivered. So you could tell he wasn't very strong. Hmm. And so I leaned in. He said, how do you meet Jesus? Hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry. He said, how do you meet Jesus? I've always wanted to meet Jesus and nobody's told me how. Whoa. Welcome and to the I was faith, like, 15 year old. Whoa. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And I, I I sat down, I pulled up a chair and talked to him. 
And I don't mean to be crass, but like I remember there was dried, like I'll never forget how he smelled because there was like dry vomit like on his shirt. I mean, he was like in a bad spot. You know, you could tell he was losing function. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I, I talked to him and opened up the scriptures and told him what I believe to be the faith and why I follow Jesus and what the scripture says about following Jesus. And um, I said, do you want to do that today? Do you want to do that wow, right now? That was good. Yep. And he was like, yeah. You know, like he was, his, his face like lit up. Like, wow. oh, this is, wow. he's like, what do I have to do? I was like, oh, you just, do you believe in it? He said, yes. I was like, just pray with me. I said, there's nothing fancy about my words. I just, you know, will you just pray with me? And so he he prayed with me. Mm. And while I'll never forget it, I was holding his hand while the lights were flickering. Mm. And he said, amen. And when I say he wept. Whoa. I mean, he wept, you know. He had just received good news. He had just received good news. And when did evangelism become about the bad news? Mm. And that's not it. Like, it's, it's good news. It should make people feel joyful and welcome. There's a seat at a beautiful table for you. They should feel like they belong. They should feel like they could be a part of something that's so much bigger than themselves yes. that it's big. It's, what it's you always hope for, but it was too good to be true. Yeah, it's it's big. It's a, it's a gift. It's it's beautiful, but we've just made it so small. And I never forget Sidney Gottlieb's face. Mm. I'll never forget his name. Mm. I'll never forget Sidney Gottlieb's He's face with the, with the Lord right now. With the Lord right now, and I can't wait to meet him again. My my my. I will say this one last thing, not to end on a downer, but I think it yeah, needs to yeah, be said. Yeah, you just said, yeah, just, just take us right on down. You I, know? I mean, it was beautiful. I was trying to end on the, on the high note, you know. Wonderful. As we talk about evangelism, we also have to talk about who needs to be evangelized. Okay, so this is important. So is evangelism still a thing? We haven't really answered the question. I think yes. I think the way in which we do it needs to change because we have to do it uh, recognizing that the world is bigger. We have to do it recognizing it's not in our own power. We have to do it recognizing that we're not being transactional. So evangelism is still a thing. How would you answer that question? And specifically, how would you answer the question, who should be evangelized? We should be evangelizing the church. We should be hmm. evangelizing those who call themselves Christians, but by their actions seem to demonstrate they're far from the Lord. So I think one of the things that makes evangelism such a tense issue uh, or topic is the hypocrisy of so many Christians that we want to go out and share the faith, share the good news, but we haven't cleaned our house. And here's my argument. Wow. Is that there are a lot of a lot of people who say they're Christian that aren't Christian. And we can't know that for sure. What we can do is look at their fruit and look at their works. Um, so I think a lot of people talk to, here's how I think about evangelism. A lot of people talk to me and they ask me the question, how do I get my racist relative, coworker, sibling, whatever it might be to not be racist? How do I talk to them about their racism, right? And, and one of the responses I give is, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know if they call themselves a Christian, but you need to talk to them as if they don't know Christ. Hmm. Because the, the Bible says, how can you say you love God and hate your neighbor? So if they're clinging to this hate f- because of racial reasons, gender, class, whatever it might be, if they're clinging to this hate, then you have to say, well, do you really love God? And I don't know for sure, and it's not up to me, your eternity, but I'm going to approach you as if mm. you still need to hear about this person named Jesus. Because the way you're treating other people made in God's image doesn't look like Jesus. So I think a lot of our evangelism has to manifest itself toward other people who may claim the name of Christ, but aren't acting like Christ. And how do we speak to them? Wow. The people who are most in need of evangelism is the church. I say that's a good place to start. Man, so much here. So many thoughts. So much that we even skimmed the surface on. Yeah. I would love to hear your experiences with evangelism as our audience. What have you experienced? Put it down in the comments if you're watching Who us got on the YouTube. Gift? Oh, <laughs> tell us about it. Yeah. Who does have the gift? I do want to actually know that. And, and also, like, how have you done it in healthy ways? How have yeah. you seen it done in healthy ways? We would love to hear that. If you're on YouTube, just leave us a comment. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click the notification bell for all the latest Pass the Mic episodes. And we are also on all of your podcast platforms under Pass the Mic. Leave us a five-star review and some kind words. We would deeply, deeply appreciate it. And if you're feeling really generous, you can go on patreon.com forward slash Pass the Mic. And you can subscribe to our Patreon for at least just $1 per episode. It will bless us deeply and keep us, help us to continue to keep the keep lights, the lights on, on and keep paying our bills so that we can keep bringing you these episodes. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm Tyler Burns on behalf of Dr. Jamar Tisby. We'll see you soon on the next Pass the, the Mic. Mic.